guys. Welcome back to the detour. It's our first rest day special for the Tour de France in 2021. And yeah, you can probably join the dots what we're going to be talking about on today's show. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Jones, joined as always by four time national road champion uh, from Australia and master uh, cut or offer of people, Johnny Trevorrow. Voice of Cycling, Phil Liggett, and former pro. Uh, Hank Vogels and proud Western Australian, which will be a bit of an angle on this show. That is, of course, Ben O'Connor has absolutely blitzed him on stage nine. It was a super impressive ride. And and Hank, you must uh, feel pretty chuffed seeing another Aussie talent uh, lighted up on the world stage. Yeah, absolutely incredible ride. I just couldn't believe the power he had on that last climb. He obviously loves those, you know, those power climbs in the final because it wasn't a very steep climb. But to see him, you know, just make that break and put to the sword guys like Pools um, and uh, Woods and Quintana, who weren't too long ago winning Grand Tours themselves, you know, the new generations arrived, Dan, and um, to see him look so fresh. And what I, I saw his interview after, I saw his interview before. It doesn't look as though he's done nine days of the Tour de France right now, I can tell you. It's going to be an exciting second week for sure. So uh, I was pretty emotional at the finish, I can tell you. I stayed up till 2 a.m. last night. I haven't done that every day this week. But uh, as soon as you got in the break, uh, there's no way I was uh, turning the telly off and watching the highlights. Well, I, I don't understand, obviously, you know, wattage and all this sort of stuff, but he's lighting up social media. Um, Daniel Lloyd said, according to the file he uploaded to Strava, Ben O'Connor had an actual average power of 313 watts for, you know, four and a half hours on today's stage with 21 minutes at 406 watts to make the early break. His weight is set on Strava at 67 kilograms. I've decided not to make a comeback. Uh, Phil, is that good? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm only 78 kilograms, and my average wattage for the day is about 78 to 100. So it's not good for me, I'll tell you that. I have no idea if it's good. Only Hank Vogels understands all this technicality. But the, the proof of the pudding was the way he rode and how confident he was riding. And once he got rid of two great kilometers, he cracked them, got away on his own. And that was like a, a lap of honor when he climbed up to team. It's just the crowd shouting in Aussie all the way to the top. Um, and at the finish, well, as you know, I nicknamed this the Tour de Tears uh, in the opening week when everybody wins stages and starts crying. And no exception yesterday, but what a happy moment. 14 stage win for Australia. But in the competition of the current race, John, you're only 2-1 at the moment, uh, the Brits against Well, we're, 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 at least we got one. We're on the board, which is great. But look, well, I was way to get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah hang no. on, John. I've got to introduce another proud uh, Western Australian. We're really <laughs> going to go all out. And that is, of course, Matty Poignant joins the detour back again. Uh, Matty, uh, Hank said he was emotional. How, how emotional were you after the finish on last night's stage? I don't think it could have got any better, could it? If maybe if you took yellow, it might have been good, but uh, that wasn't going to happen. But uh, it was absolutely fantastic, and I and I think a lot of West Australians didn't get much sleep last night, which was fantastic. No. It's not so bad for you. What time uh, is it in uh, Perth when it finishes? Yeah, we get to go. We get our beauty sleep about two hours before you guys, so we're yeah. okay. We're good. <laughs> exactly. Ify, it's a it's an amazing story because um you know it was only the Giro last year where um you know his career you could say was at a bit of a crossroad because it wasn't sure if the team was going to fold he was sort of scrambling for a contract um and to see what he's doing now and he's obviously been re-signed for another three years with uh AG two R Citroen unbelievable yeah well look as it turns out he would have had a contract with uh, Quebecer this year but at the time of the Giro the the, the uh, uh Dimension Dala or, or Nippo whatever they were called at the time um looked like folding you know Doug Ryder hadn't been able to secure a, a spot so he said to the guys look I'm hoping to but if you can get yourself something else so they were all running around everywhere and it wasn't looking good uh, for Ben because you know it, it was a tight market there were there were a lot of riders going for very few spots but he did those two great rides, 16, stage of 16 and 17, second in stage 16, and then comes out the next day and wins the stage. I mean, that got everyone taking notice. And AG2R, who, you know, have had a few Aussies uh, in their different formats over the years. I think, uh, Hank, you rode with them in, in one of their former uh, guises. 
that right? No, I'd never wrote for AG2R. That was Gero who started his oh, career, yeah. I believe, in oh, AG2R. Yeah. I went with um, Roger Leger and and Gan with Chris Borman, Eros Poli, Jens Voigt, Stuart O'Grady. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was 1997. But, you yeah, know, exactly. Aussies have got a pretty good affinity with French teams, you know, like Renshaw, McGee, Cook, um, Gerens, myself, Miles Scottson's there now. There's there's been uh, a bit of history with uh, Aussies going over to French teams. They do they do like having Aussies in their team, the Frenchies, and they've got an absolute gem with him now. Because yeah. we're just saying, Johnny, before stage sixteen and seventeen of Grand Tour, his first Grand Tour last year, stage nine yesterday, he's got a rest day tomorrow. How good's he going to be in the second week? And I know there's not many mountain stages in the next couple of stages coming up, but I mean, if he only lost his time from crashing in the first week, I mean, he would be even higher up. And obviously, right. they wouldn't let him go yesterday. But wow, we're <laughs> yeah, up for exactly a right. <laughs> well, he had ten tissues in his forearm uh, on, on that crash on day one, so he was he was knocked around. But what I was really impressed, and you say there's no mountains, I'll tell you what, might have a flat day tomorrow. Next day, they're climbing Mont Ventoux twice on stage eleven, mate. So they're back yeah. very quickly, but. What I was so impressed with, okay, he didn't do a very good descent, and uh, uh, Quintana and Higuita, Higuita, however you say his name, he, he, they got away from him. The way he just rode straight back up to them, and not only that, you got two two world class climbers, one who's won the Giro and the Vuelta, and three times on the podium in Tour de France, just go straight by them, let them sit onto the back, and just ride away from them. It was just absolutely. You know, it just showed so much maturity and strength of character. Well, we we had an interview with him pre-start, and he seemed so relaxed. and And I did a bit of a YouTube dig and found a clip that uh, his team did prior to the tour starting. And just the last bit uh, where he was talking about the tour, I think this really sort of summarises why he's such a good bloke as well. I mean, I'm not doing this for popularity either. I, I couldn't care less. It's a personal ambition, and also an ambition for not just me, for my parents and my fiance. It's you work towards the best. And the fact that you can and say, oh, look, I actually made it to the Tour de France is still huge. I mean, I think in a couple of years' time, or maybe let's say 15 years' time, when you have a kid, it'll be a joy to be able to say, oh, look, I, that's what I did. That was my job, which is, as a kid, as if my dad did that, I would be, I'd be shocked <laughs> and super proud. Well, Matty, he can, uh, he's got some pretty big bragging rights for his future children. <laughs> Uh, after that stage, what what sort of background can you give us on on Ben and and his journey? Um, well, Ben had a, was a fast track. Like uh, he came into the sport around 2013 14. Um, he rode as part of a, a, an NRS team here called Saddlest, which uh, at the time was headed up by Wayne Evans, who's looked after one or two WA contracts over the years. But the big thing, the big noise we heard about Ben when he was coming through was. There was this guy who was just doing these numbers. He just had this uh, this power output. He was a triathlete sort of middle distance runner was what we were told about him. And then he was encouraged to possibly spend a bit more time just riding the bike. And uh, so he really fast-tracked into A-grade, off the front of A-grade, into the NRS, into a continental team that went and rode things like the Tour of King High Lake. And the next minute, the young man signed for Quebecer, um, or Dimension Data as we know it. Um, and he just went from there. He just went better and better, and he comes from a crop of kids that we've got. I say kids, they're in their 20s. Michael Storer, Robert Power, Jai Hindley, uh, Ben O'Connor on the road for Western Australia, uh, or for Australia, let's be honest, um, and then, you know, Sam Wellsford as well on the track who's going to go to the road. It's just this nucleus of kids that are coming forward um, who are just on another level, you know. Hank, why you work with a lot of the... Um, up-and-coming talent uh, in Queensland now. What is it about this next crop? Like, what's happened? I don't know. I think they're, I think they're pretty hungry. Because the, the hungry mob of young kids. I mean, I've got three West Australians in my team right now. Um, two West Australians in my... Three West Australians, sorry, in my team now. And, um, you know, everyone says they're isolated over there or whatever. But, you know, it's a good communities, good grassroots cycling over there. Um, and they've got some good role models too. So in Freiburg, Durbridge, Meyer, 
you know, they see the success that they've got in World Tour teams racing on the big stage. So they've got, and, and that goes for everyone. So I don't think there's anything different about Western Australia. Uh, it's, it's just a little bit more isolated and they've got to show their wares and they turn up at the Nationals and try and do the best they can, get into an NRS team. But there's really no difference. I think it's all in the character of the individual for myself. They must really want it. So, and I, I think success breeds success. So if you've got one guy who's going really well, the other one's pushing them up. So you see a Hindi and a Power and a Stora, guys like that, you know, out doing in the Darling Ranges in, in December in 42 Celsius. You know, the heat training they say now is is more is more effective than altitude. So it's bloody hot over there in Perth. I might have something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, I just think when you've got a good crew, you've got a good group, they bring each other up, just like Dave Sanders has done over in, in Melbourne when he was running the VIS. He just... He brought that, you know, that that up as well. So there's there's always a Dave Sanders in each state, you know. There's always someone, some mentor. So obviously they're doing it well over there, and 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 maybe it's just their time now, and maybe we won't have any in five or six years. But it just seems we've got a really good crop over there. I think now, you're right in what you say about yeah. Like, sorry, Dan. I was just no, right. What Hank's right about legacy there. Like um, when I was a youngster growing up, we watched Phil Anderson, Alan Piper, Stephen Hodge, but and Michael Wilson, of course, but you couldn't really understand how great they were because there was nothing else. And then, thanks to Mike Turtle, we had the Tour Down Under, and suddenly you could reach out and touch these pros. So this new batch has been able to see World Tour racing up close and personal, which is something that we didn't really see in Australia. So when Hank and Stewie and Robbie and all these guys were racing the Tour Down Under, it it's, uh, seems feasible to be able to get there for all these guys like Harry Sweeney and Lucas Hamilton and all these other guys, Jack Haig, who unfortunately crashed out, but all these guys coming forward. I think the biggest change is the legacy guys like Hank have left uh, from their careers is, you know, it's it's making young guys coming through the Australian scene think that they can get there. there there's a pathway there to get there. And, you know, you mentioned Dave Sanders and a number of other coaches around Australia who are, are helping that. Now, Phil, we're going to scroll through a few viewer uh, questions, but uh, did you read the WhatsApp message on the group today? I We've got a winner for the $500 Let's Go oh, no, voucher. Oh, that's all right. I'll announce it. <laughs> it was Please Samantha do. Samantha Ince. Uh, congratulations. You're the winner of the uh, $500 Let's Go uh, Motorhome voucher. And we're wow. going to give one away for week two and week three. So uh, we'll scroll through some of the comments. Obviously, uh, Byron says, evening, gentlemen. Go, Ben. Jason Cruz from the Maldives says, just had to comment before Wendy Superfan. UK, two Aussies, one. What a brilliant performance. <laughs> Kirsty Baxter says, big Hank. What a legend. Great seeing you on the show. Uh, and then Jamie Anderson. This is a great comment. Loving the show, guys. But please give Iffy some guidance on pronouncing Flemish names. It's not Woot von Ert. But Welt van Art, pronounce Welt van Art. So there you go, John. Bit of feedback for you. And Samantha, who's the winner, she says the car footage from AG2R is so brilliant. Now, get on uh, Cycling Central. They've posted the in car vision uh, of the finale there. It's fantastic. Like, obviously, wow. the French teams get pretty uh, passionate. Uh, and we've got another one. Stuart McIntosh says such a mature performance from a first-time participant in the tour. Hasn't been many better single-day performance for a debut rider as the one Ben did last night, surely. Now, John, you got asked uh, from Sandy uh, Woolley. We just did a little throwaway video for Telstra Connected Cycling, and he said to you, hey, come on, can Ben win this tour? And I said to him, you know, you're the most positive uh, guy, particularly with Aussie cyclists. And what was your answer? And the, what's no, your explanation? No, why? no. <laughs> well, he what? can't win the tour unless something happens to uh, uh, Pogacar. <laughs> Pogacar, I'll get the name right. Um, you know, no one's – he's on a – and Ben Kamat said the same thing, a wonderful story you're talking about uh, uh, today, Pogacar. And he said he's on a different level to all of us and, uh, and that's the way it's going at the moment. I can't see him cracking. Uh, he's a – uh, you know, a freak. <laughs> um, yeah. And even though he hasn't got a strong team, I, I can't see any way unless he crashes or something really, really strange happens. I can't see anyone beating him. But I can see Ben O'Connor getting on the podium in Paris. Yeah, um, uh, Dan, I just got to ask uh, here what the team I said to Ben last night when the celebrations finally died down. 
because they're looking at riding out in second place in Tour de France. And it's a 165 rider race now, second place. Forget that, eh? He's walking this race and he could be winning by eight or nine minutes by the time we get to the end of it. Uh, everybody's wiped out. I mean, the same question that you oppose, John, can Ben win the tour? You could have asked if Roger Carapaz, Geraint Thomas, name any of them. And the answer would be no. Uh, because Tadej, unless he falls, is going to win the Tour de France. But the race for second place, is Ben going to start thinking now? Is his team going to start saying, look, what you did, in, what you did on the road to teen, why can't we do it elsewhere? I don't know how he times hard, but I guess not too strongly, but I don't know. What, what do you think, Ben? Um, ben. Not that, sorry, Hank. Yeah, ask an expert, uh, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he, I think he lost Phil. I think he lost a couple of minutes to Pogacar. Um, Pogacar. Pogacar in, in the time trial. <laughs> and and whether he actually really actually believes he could have won the tour, I think after today, I think he now thinks he's can go for GC. Wow. So, I mean, I think, I think the French would be really smart to just say, listen, you need to cool your jets. Um, no more long breakaways trying to, they're not going to let him go anyway. So he's just going to try and be re, really conservative, um, do a good time mm -hmm. trial, try and stay with him on, on the, on the big mountains. Cause I mean, he's not a pure climber. I mean, yesterday's, and I don't want to put a damper on his stage cause it was sensational and made me teary, but that was suited to him yesterday up to 10. It was not a steep climb. So we've got some brutal stuff coming up. So He's just going to ride a smart race, and and they'll they'll guide him through it, and and just take care of him for the rest of the tour, just to make sure he limits his losses because he's not the kind of guy I don't think he's going to be going with accelerations. He's someone that's going to just be sitting, um, and ride a really nice tempo. So even if he's down, you know, 30, 40 seconds at the top of the climb, he looks as though he can ride back on. Yes, I mean we didn't see him go too fast downhill because. He didn't want to take any risks in the wet, didn't want to be stupid. So the other guys were just like balls to the wall, try and go down and get away, put two minutes in on the descent. But they will take care of him now. So he'll, he'll have massive belief now, massive. Mm. Yeah. Matty, is that is that going to be one of the biggest battles? Like it's his first Tour de France, trying to keep a lid on it and ride, you know, within yourself so that you don't potentially blow up in that last week? I think he's such a level-headed kid, and uh, I think the best thing that's happened for him is, like, he seemed to get stronger over that last five kilometres yesterday afternoon when we watched our last night when we watched him the stage, and going to the rest day today, he can recuperate. Um, as you guys, I think, have already said, in, the, in his um, in his Giro last year, he won his stage in the last week. So we know he can go that three weeks. I think, as, as Hank has already alluded to, and why would you even question what Hank says in this situation? But He's just got to follow that UAE train up the hills now. It's, it's up to Carapaz yeah. and those guys to start attacking. You know, he, you know, and if Pogacar launches towards the end of each stage, the way he tends to be doing, sort of dancing with them at the moment, um, you'd like to think that O'Connor just lets Carapaz chase first and wait for him to blow up and see if he can come over the top. But as Hank said, the kid's got such a big motor. If it starts jumping around, he might be in a bit of trouble. But if it's just going to be that steady grind, punching it out up the climb, I think Ben's got that for days. I really think he does. He's in a good spot to uh, defend that second place. If he, yeah, I, I agree completely with that. I, I, it sounds simple, but hey, he doesn't <laughs> have to do. He just has to follow Pogacar. It, it, Pogacar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because <It's a> tick. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one right because it's up to the others he's got a couple of minutes on them now he doesn't have to do anything he's in second place with a good gap so he's just got to as you say be smart and the other ones are going to have to be the ones who have to force themselves uh, to, to um, try and get that gap so be, and, and the, on the time trial he actually didn't do too bad a time trial remember he, he was still a bit Damaged, you know, with the stitches in the arm and everything. But he wasn't, I think, if he didn't beat Carapaz, he was right near the time of Carapaz. Yeah. Um, so forget about uh, that, that um, Slovenian guy. I mean, no one's going to get near him uh, at the time trial, but he's going to be, he's not going to lose so much on the other um, podium contenders when it comes to that time trial. Um, I was talking to Matty Keenan today and he said he's he had a group of mates that don't know much about cycling pre-tour to say, hey, who's a good bet, you know, for the top three? <laughs> and he said, Ben O'Connor. 
And then after the time trial, he blew out even more. And they were going, oh, what are you doing? You know, you've given us a done. He said, no, no, go again. <laughs> Load up. And now Kirsty, who pretty much <laughs> get a role at TAB, she's said he's paid $1.72 for the top three. So the punters are diving in for Ben O'Connor. And I saw another article, which was funny, about his parents being over there in France. And he, they said to him this morning, "You did you read that one, Matty? Yeah, I spoke to I spoke to Ben's uh, or texted Ben's dad this morning. Did a quote for one of our articles, but no, you go. Mate. Sorry, no, no, mate, you you you'll tell this better. Well, no, he's, they're just very humbled with the, with the 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 message I got from him was they're just over the moon and humbled by the support that Australia is showing uh, Ben and his fiance Sarah. So you know they're just besides themselves with joy. They're staying in Grenoble at the moment. They're not actually where Ben is, but um, yeah, that's all. I've, that's all I've spoken to. To John about. Well, I yeah, saw that he basically told him at the start of the day, look, go out sightseeing. You know, you're all right, just take the day off. Don't worry about it. And then his brother was frantically texting his olds, going, he's in the break. You've got to watch the TV. And they just saw the finish. They, were, they would have been out sightseeing. So we were keep, keeping a lid on it. But um, well, moving along, obviously, the another big talking point was uh, Mark Cavendish uh, making the time cut. And uh, as we saw, Phil, it was more tears, more hugs, about 36 this time, and, and it wasn't a sage victory. But uh, no. just just for you, Hank, how tough is it when you're trying to fight the time cut and the Grappetto? We obviously lost uh, DeMar, uh, Merlier, and a few others. Um, uh, these days, like Cav said, he was absolutely packing himself going into it. How difficult is that at, at races like the Tour? Uh, I still have nightmares about... Um, being in the Gruppetto on the Tour de France, it is horrible. Um, and you got to remember, I did it with a certain American who won seven of them. So um, he put us all to the sword. And, um, you know, I, I remember when Lance won his first massive stage in Siestra. Um, um, Phil, you called it. Um, in the rain, similar conditions. And we were we were mm. sprinting. And it's a different era, I get it. But it is horrible. Um, especially in the cold, you're not because you're not racing. I know it sounds funny. You're in the group pedo. You're just holding on for dear life. You're already at your limit. And um, apart from Cobb really yesterday, uh, sprinters can't climb. Um, so, which is another amazing point. But it is, it's horrible. And you, you've, you're doing the calculations in your head. Your DS is telling you you're going to go faster, you know, the whole time. But it was really awesome to see yesterday. I think, you know, Kevin just, just let go early. Um, he had two two teammates from the whole time. That's just experience. Three, three. yeah, you're right, Phil. It was three. So they I mean, he, he didn't try. He didn't try. He didn't try to stay on. He's like, no, we need to conserve our energy. Why the hell are we even trying on this first climb? Just let it go. Doesn't matter. Yes, I'll try and get over the first one a little bit, but then you know, get a group, and then you, they just know. They know. They know what to do. And Cav has done so many of them. Um, you know, the young guys like Merlier and, and everyone else who went out. DeMar's got experience as well. But that's the first thing I thought was just like, Cav's just so experienced. He just knows what he's doing. Robbie was the same. We did that in the Giro all the time uh, and the Tour and the, and the Volta. So, yeah, huge. From Phil, do I you comment? Sorry, Dan, but yeah. I'll, I'll come to that in a second. But what Ben O'Connor, when he looks back on this stage of the Tour de France, he has won the most brutal stage for a long time in the Tour de France yesterday. Because it was carnage behind. Twelve guys didn't go across the finish yesterday. Either it didn't start in the case of Mathieu Van Poel and uh, Primoz Roglic, or they abandoned like Tim Merlier did, or like the rest of them did, got eliminated. I can't remember a day this early in the tour when so many people were eliminated, going back maybe 10, 15 years. When you get five minutes later today, if I ever get five minutes later today, I, I will look that fact up because it was vicious out there. DeMar said nothing's gone right for this tour, and he was out and eliminated. And it's all helped Mark Cavendish because this guy's turned on. This guy's going to start being in the action again now. Uh, he won't, obviously, on the hilly stages, but I think the green jersey is a reality for him now, and his big woody is certainly Tony Colbrelli, a sprinter who can climb. Mm. Don't, mm. don't you think, Phil, that Cavendish, when I see him, he's got like a complete new lease on life? Totally. You know, you just him and he's like, totally. I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm just happy to be here. Totally. You know, like, and then he's like, I'm just going to win a couple of stages. It's like, it's like he's 21 again and he's in HTC Absolutely. and he's kind of. You're right, mate. He's a new man. But, but 
We did see a little touch of the old Cav the other day when he got in that long break and he had a blue with that EF guy and backed him off and was yelling and screaming. I thought, oh, Cav is back. But no, no, yeah. he's all cuddling everyone again. So. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a sprinter's mentality. They're born with they're born with that absolute pure aggression yeah. in them. You know that they've yeah. got that snap. You know what I mean? They're, they're short fuses, all of them. There's no sprinters. There's no nice sprinters. They don't no, exist. No, they don't. But you, they, they are nice wives, and Cav's um, the nicest wife than Peter, and she she tames him. Believe me, Cav doesn't step out of line with Peter. She calls him the boy. What's the boy up to now when she's watching the television? That's the way she is. And so, Cav, I think Cav rides with her in mind, to be honest. Hey, Phil, do Bye. you commentate, um, uh, uh, like, even after the finish? Are you still commentating whilst waiting for the Grappetto, or do they go to the panel show? How does all that work? Yeah, uh, because I'm in London, of course, and everybody else is working in Stamford, Connecticut, which is just, just outside of New York City, um, I can see them. Uh, and there's no time delay when I talk to them, but obviously they can't put me in vision. So I call the race until we cross the line and until the overall classification comes on screen. Now, the Gruppettos have been 25, 30 minutes behind, so I'm still not talking about that. But usually in what we call our post-race show, uh, the boys back over there, which are Christian van der Velde and Chris Horner and our presenter Paul Burmeister, they're still sort of analysing the day's action and they usually cut to the Gruppetto coming in and then we know the Cavs safe and sound to fight again the next day but no, it's, that's the only bonus of doing a live show away from the scene uh, when I say, and that's the overall situation um, when we come back we'll be in the studio, cans off in the car, taxi home, in the pub one hour, 15 minutes later <laughs> That's awesome um, What were you going to say John? Go back <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, a couple of days ago, I was—I didn't think Cav would make it to Paris. I just didn't think he'd prepared properly for this. But Me after too. watching him in these last two days, he's been so impressive um, that I give him a big chance of making Paris. And look, he's got—I think he's got what he leads uh, Bling by thirty-eight points, and Cabrelli uh, just another nine points behind Bling. Who, hey, how did he do that yesterday? I have no idea. Yeah, finish finish third, yeah. yeah. I mean, how did he do that? That, that was that's right. shaking your head stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah. When was the last yeah. time you saw a sprinter, Phil, trying to yeah. finish third in a mountain stage like Sean Kelly, who you wouldn't call a sprinter, but I can't remember one. Well, Kelly's yeah. finished right up in the tour, and of course, he's won the tour of Spain, so he could get yeah. over the mountains, but he's a tough, tough boy, and um, everything's casual to Sean. This guy called Grelly, especially, was. He is a good, very fast sprinter, but he's not as fast as Cavendish. So if Cavendish can get to the sprint line with him, Cav will beat him. Uh, but this guy's got a way about with him. But the great green jersey winners like Tor Hushoff or Peter Sagan is his best. They don't wait for the sprint points. They go and they ride and they attack. And so they win that green jersey uh, because of the tenacious uh, tenacity in the race. Um, I, I agree with you, John. I think Cav's going all the way to Paris now, barring serious problems like an accident, which we don't want, of course. Um, and providing he's getting rid of Cobrelli, he's going to cruise to the green jersey. But Michael Matthews is far from out there. It's just not really working out for Michael just now. Um, Matty, looking into your crystal ball, what, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen over the next two weeks at the tour? I think there's two. <laughs> two yeah. I hope we've got a big ball. It's Phil a big ball. Phil and Hank are going to laugh their heads off at me. What are you asking this bloke for? Um, there's two little perfect storms going on in this tour. And the first one is the green jersey. And I agree with everything that's being said about Cole Brelly. That was impressive yesterday. But there's something up Cab's sleeve, and that is the fact that Caleb's not there anymore. Milios has pulled out. Van Aert's not going like he was last year. Uh, Van Der Poel's gone home. So four of the fastest boys going around aren't going to get in between. Um, the they're not going to get mixed up. So when it gets to the real fast stuff again, I think Quickstep will be back on the front leading Cav out. So he'll try and get those that advantage in the points again. So I think, yeah, that's going to be a great contest all the way down to the line. As Phil says, Colbrelli's not as fast as Cavendish. Cavendish is a real shot here. And, you know, just paint the scenario. He has 34 all of a sudden, and we're going into the Champs-Élysées, and it could be 35. There's something there's something really romantic about that. And, and the other one is for O'Connor. Roglic's gone. 
and Thomas fell off and he's gone. So the only guy I think who is better than Ben O'Connor in the bike race, other than the, the pog himself, is Carapaz. I think everybody else in the race is on Ben's level now after seeing the way he rode yesterday and, and what he went through for the time trial. So just those couple of little perfect storms forming for Cavendish with one or two people not being there and for O'Connor, one or two people not going as well as they possibly we possibly thought they would. Is, I think you could really play into their hands over the next two years. And, you know, you don't want to wish bad luck on anybody, but, um, you know, 1980 Tour de France, you know, got tendonitis after winning stages in the yellow jersey and everything. And yeah. Zudemilk finally won the Tour. And, uh, you know, try tell, telling Jupe Zudemilk you only won it because Hino got ill. Imagine that happening in two weeks' time and we're watching Ben O'Connor on the top step. Let's dream about that. Quite agree with you there, yeah. Matt. It's not a case I think, of I, I, I think uh, um, Rigoberto Uran is going to be a real danger as well. He looked quite, quite good yesterday. And um, he's, he's time-trying very well. So he's going to be a, a real danger. Uh, but uh, one thing, I just disagree with you one thing, uh, there, Maddie. The fact that Ooh. those all those sprinters are, are now out, I think that helps Sonny Cambrelli because he's now going to have not those guys in between those fast sprints. You know, uh, Cab might win tomorrow, but Sonny Cambrelli's now got a better chance of running second or third than what he had when those guys were there. So I think it's going to be to uh, Cambrelli's uh, benefit. And there's probably two or three stages that he could get up and go close to winning with, with a form like he showed yesterday, Cobrelli I'm talking about, where Cav won't be there. And that's where the, the point swing is huge. If he gets up the road and gets a whole stack of points, like 50 or 30 points in, in one fell swoop. So um, I'm really looking forward to The battle for the green is one of the most interesting things. Uh, well, left in the bike race. well what are, realistically, what we which, which would we prefer? Cav to get the green? <laughs> Or Cav to get 35 on the Sean Zalizo, which would be better for the sport? If he gets 35, if he gets 35, he'll get the green. Uh, well, yeah. that's for sure. He's won on the Sean Zalizo four times straight, don't forget. So he knows the finish line. But uh, he's still got to get the others in between before he gets up to 35. 35 is the outright record. Merckx has got 34, but more second places. Uh, Cav doesn't race for second. I tell you, Cav does not race for second. If he's like, hey, it's no good now. I'm not bloody racing for that now. I've lost this one. And he, he never finishes in the top three. He's out. Gone. Well, why don't we get some insights from a man on the ground? Uh, Matt White, who joins us on the rest day, even though John Travis said he could have oh, the day off. He's in Europe, isn't he? I forgot, yeah. Oh, no. That's, I think, the um, Blackberry. Do you want your side down, Matt? Your sideways, mate. Right? So you got me now? Someone? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're looking great. Yeah, that's it. Oh, Perfect. Look. Morning, Matt. I see you're still in bed. Yeah, I just, I just put a jumper on now, mate. Look. Oh, I want to see close up, Whitey. I want to see if those wrinkles under the eyes have uh, improved any. They, you were looking a bit haggard yesterday. Oh, mate, that's my, no, that's my normal look. That's my normal look, mate. <laughs> no, that's how Whitey looked in, in which, when in which he was, match he was real, in the man. national team. <laughs> what, that, Sorry? I said, Whitey, you had those you had those wrinkles when you were 20 in the national team, mate. You haven't changed a bit. <laughs> That's why I used to wear those iridium sunglasses on the indoor tracks. If he so Whitey, uh loved it. We we spoke to you yesterday and we sort of didn't quite predict what was going to happen, but uh, your thoughts on uh, on yesterday's stage, that great win from Ben O'Connor. Yeah, what? Well, so, um, uh, as as expected, with things were, we're going to get out of hand again yesterday, and um, it all was it was all kicked off with our boys uh, ripping a, ripping a new one into the um, intermediate sprint, and that's what caused the forty seven rider split. Off the uh, intermediate sprint, and then uh, and then a group of those guys went on with it, and uh, it was an incredible ride by Ben O'Connor. Um, he uh, he's a diesel, and uh, he, he handled those weather conditions very very well yesterday. Whereas uh, you know there was a, a lot better, you know, on paper climbers in better than him in that group yesterday, but uh, he rode a very calculated race, and uh, th those conditions yesterday were like Paris Nice weather conditions in July. You know, we're talking about descending off 1,500 up to 2,000 metre descents in five and six degrees. You know, it was pretty 
pretty average day for summer. And some guys, obviously, at the front of the race and the back of the race, there were some guys who froze yesterday. And uh, thank God for a lot of them that's a rest day today because uh, they went deep. It was only a short stage, but, you know, when you get cold and they were still, they got cold from the first kilometre yesterday in the rain, um, they stayed cold for four and a half hours. And, you know, when you're descending for 30, 40 minutes off 2,000 metre climbs uh, and you're not dressed properly, the, you pay for it. But uh, it was a very, very impressive ride. And uh, there's going to be more stages like this. I said it a long time ago. When you've got a guy who now we've got obviously the, clear, the, the strongest guy in the race is, is clear. Uh, there'll be, and there's a lot of so many guys off general classification. It's just going to make for a very, very aggressive, aggressive racing for the for the entirety of the race. Um, cycling's come a long way, Whitey, because I remember talking to George Bennett about this at the Giro, and I said, "Hang on, mate, don't you get those hot tea bins at the top of the climb?" And he said, "Josie, that's like pissing on a bushfire, mate. That doesn't really do anything." <laughs> I mean, is it really all about um, how do you prepare best for those conditions? Is there is there much you can do? other than the clothing and, and training? No, clothing's the key. Clothing's the key. And, and one is getting it on in time. You know, if you if you miss it by five minutes, you get cold, or you do one descent without it, it's, it's just too late. So timing and the, the quality of clothing, the timing when you put it on. And then some guys, it's just in their genetic makeup. You, you know, some like Svein Tuff would, would have raced the stage like yesterday in a wind vest. Uh, yet he couldn't handle 40 degrees. You know, some guys can handle the heat. Some guys can ha- can't handle the cold. But clothing's, clothing's key. Yeah, yeah, you can prepare a little bit you know, for the heat. And most people are preparing for the heat for the Tour de France, not the cold. But you, you can do that. Prep- you can do some preparation that will help your body acclimatise. But at the end of the day, when you get 48 hours ago, we we're racing in 30 degrees. Yesterday, we we're racing in five. And in another 24 hours, we'll be back racing in 30 again. So it, it's a shock to the body, definitely. What did you used to do, Hank, back in the day? Oh, mate, I I was kind of like an elephant seal. I used to carry a fair bit uh, on myself anyway, so I had <laughs> I had a fair bit of padding. No, nah, mate, I was no different. You just had to like Whitey's perfectly correct. You know, you just got to dress properly. Every every pro's got a rain bag in the back of the car. You know, that gets cold. You do a quick change if you can, like they do now. We did that back then. Yeah, we we had also we had. You know, hot tea from the Swannies, but that's that's a five ten minute jobby where you can warm up a little bit. But yeah, there's not much you can do. Like we had riders like Whitey said, Stephen Dion, who you all know. I don't think he ever wore a pair of gloves in his entire career. So from north of Holland, you know, used to rain. Used to rain. It's unbelievable. But yeah, Uh, so. I tell you what, Hank. Do you obviously you remember Paul Turner very well, like we all do? But Paul never wore gloves. Never wore gloves. Mm. He was a great mate of Alan Piper's, and Piper used to amuse the fact, no matter how cold it was, bare hands. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? It's not cold. Never wore gloves. Whatever the temperature. I genetics. Know. Genetics. <laughs> Sl- yeah. Slash hard ass. Hey, hey, Phil, you've got to go to a radio interview, mate. Before you go, we've got to plug yeah. the uh, foundation, kareka.co.za. Uh, the Aussies will be bankrupt if we keep plugging this foundation. The Aussies will get bankrupt. Do you realise that? Give me all this money. <laughs> Well, that's good. It's going for a good cause. It is. It's yeah. just going to move the money. So uh, get behind that. And uh, we've really appreciate you being on every day of the detour, mate. And uh, we'll check in again tomorrow. Okay. Well, thanks for that. And by the way, Dan, don't forget we're, we're going to speak with Lindy Sutherland tomorrow from the Correcca Foundation right. in the Eastern Cape. She's making a journey to the reserve to show us uh, where she exactly is on the day. And I don't suppose we'll see a rhino walking past the window, but they're out there, believe me. And... Um, and I'm going to write to her right now to remind her that you always send the link just minutes before we go on so she doesn't panic. All right. Yep. Perfect, mate. All good. Good luck, Phil. Take it easy, guys. Nice to see you again, Hank. It's been a while, mate. And as always, you nice too, to meet you, Matt. And uh, Whitey, have a great second week of the tour, mate. All the best. Ciao uh, for now. Feels like, feels like day 20 already, mate. I know what you feel like. <laughs> and it's only starting the rest day for me, and I've got so much oh. to do. I think I'd rather be back on the race already. Be good, guys. Uh, good on you, mate. Cheers, mate. Phil Liggett, voice of uh, cycling. Uh, Iffy? Yes, mate. Well, I always throw to you when I go, Iffy, it's like you can ask a question now. It's so you don't cut people off. I, I, was, I was getting ber- berated by my wife from, from the left-hand side, so I was sorry. I was slightly uh, preoccupied. I, I'd, like, I'd love to chuck a question to, to Matt. 
um, White. Mate, what did you think of Cobrelli yesterday? That was the question I was just going to ask. So good on you. Yeah, oh, that's sure it was. <laughs> yeah, mate. So obviously, obviously, he's been following us. Uh, he's been following Michael around like a bad smell uh, in those intermediate sprints. And after we did, uh, it was with the group there. Michael went out and Mezgets and a couple of the other guys. We just, they just came back to the group because you know it was a very very tough day. And I sort of lost really attention of what was going on. There was forty seven guys out there. And, I didn't realise how many guys were out front. We were concentrating on what was going on in on behind, and then uh, I knew he was still out there somewhere. But you know, we didn't know because you know the television and even the phone network here is bloody terrible in the race, and so they weren't they weren't going through where everyone in the groups were, and we had television on and off. And I saw him at the bottom of the climb in a in a second group, and I was like, well, whatever. And then, uh, then I flashed towards the finish, and here he is sprinting out for buddy second and third on the stage, or third and fourth on the stage. And I was just like, well, I, I know he's in the form of his life. I know he's in the form of his life. Um, and we were pretty happy with getting 17 points back on Cav two days in a row, uh, losing a couple with the Colabrelli. But I mean, that, that stage was 149K, 4,000-plus metres of climbing. Uh, I, know, I, I know when he won his nationals on the, the same circuit as last year's Worlds, he rode away from some of the best climbers in Italy to win his nationals. He was playing with him and uh, he's got very, very good form at the moment. But uh, that certainly put him very much back in the race for the green jersey. But I, I did not uh, did not expect a ride like that from him, mate. Do you, and also, do you think do you think a ride like that, going so deep on a climb that that's actually going to hurt him? And I know he's got good form, right? But does that, you know, he goes so deep. Does he then lose some speed? Or I mean, I know sprinters don't really lose speed, but he might go too deep and go a bit step too far. I don't know. All I know is that he uh, had a hell of a lot harder ride than Michael Matthews yesterday. Mm. Um, you know, when Mike sat up, we changed clothes on him. We kept him warm. Still a tough day in the office, but he must have gone incredibly deep to do the ride that he did. So, you know, we're hoping that that's going to come back and bite him uh, over the next couple of days. And, uh, yeah, he picked up valuable 20 points, but at what cost? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But it's, it is certainly making the, the green jersey race a pretty exciting one between Cav, uh, Michael, and uh, and Colabrelli. Also, I've got another one for you, Matty. What's going on with Sagan? Uh, I don't I – th- I think he's probably done a little bit too much. For me, I think he's done too much racing. I think he, he had COVID in the spring. They sort of rushed him back into competition Uh just to get competition. Then he's gone from the Giro. He's at a, he actually was at a really high level at the Giro. So the best I've seen him for a long time. And mm. then he's done his nationals. I just think he's done too much in a, in a, in a, in a pot in too much, too intense a block between ha- having COVID in February, March to coming back and doing whatever 50 days of racing in that period. And I think he, he, he did touch down. Obviously he landed on top of Caleb in that crash there that took Caleb out of the tour. And uh, he certainly hasn't, shown anything uh anything since so we'll see he's his only chance probably to win at stages in these these uh these transitional stages in the second week and i don't think it's from a bunch sprint so i would think he'll be looking to infiltrate uh the break we've got a couple of those stages coming up and we'll be hoping that those breaks go to the line as well uh matty Ponya, you got any questions you want for whitey you can have a wa spin on it if you want <laughs> I just want to know how the boys are going behind the scenes. We saw him crossing the line yesterday. He was Jensen and uh, Durbo and all that. These guys just do so much work all day. How are they recovering, Whitey? They're good. They're good. Mate, uh, Chris Jules Jensen, he's a machine. So he uh, he was at the Giro with me a month ago, doing the same role for three weeks for Simon Yates and uh, backing up and uh, doing it again. The tour is not for everyone. Uh, him and Derbs and Armand are our engine room here, and poor old Armand went down real hard on day one, and then he crashed again on stage six. So he uh, he made the time cut by five seconds yesterday. So he was with, uh, he was with uh, I can't remember, Greg Van Armenart and a couple of others, and just behind Cav. And they, yeah, so they made, just made it. Thank God there's a rest day today and, and a relatively easier day uh, tomorrow. But those guys, they are the unsung heroes in any team because uh, you know, they're doing all the, the grunt work, positioning their leaders, positioning their sprinters, and then having to back up and do it day in, day out, and, and then survive as well. Uh, not only survive, but uh, you know, Chris was the one. Chris was the one who actually split that group up yesterday in, in the in, in the intermediate sprint. So very valuable guys, and they certainly their workload is appreciated. That's for sure. 
Does it help with Chris? Like he loves the camera and when he does do that job, he's on the front. So it means he's on the camera. It's almost like a greyhound chasing a bunny. Mate, Chris, Chris, Chris loves racing. He's a really, yeah. he's a real positive guy to have in in a Grand Tour. You know, things when things are going well, when things are not, uh, when we're winning, when we're not winning, he's the same guy. He's mm. a positive guy. He loves pinning a number on, and and that's infectious because at the end of the day, mm. you know, these these conditions, these guys have been racing in in the Giro and here, it hasn't been the nicest of springs or summers racing wise, condition wise. But he's the same guy up and about every day, and having guys like that in the team does have a knock-on effect well yeah you you raise a good point like and i got to see it back in the day how important is it having those guys for what they do off the bike like when it does get tough and you know the ability to have a laugh or just take the edge off uh particularly in the bus yeah well that's that they're the people that they're the people that drive the culture in a team aren't they yeah they're they're the guys Mm. that but you know at the end of the day Culture is something that we're here to help those guys, you know, the staff, and the back, and to support them. But you know, the real culture is, is is in the rider group, and all the guys, key guys who have an influence on the younger ones, they're they're the people who drive the culture. And and uh, we, we're very lucky; we've always had uh, a good group of guys in this team to uh, to keep the culture. We've changed as well, but it's always been a real positive uh, working environment, and uh, and people know that from the outside and the people inside as well. That's so uh, we 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 have a laugh, but we also get on with the job, and uh, we're as, we're as competitive, or we want to win as as much as anyone. Ify, yeah. So what's the uh, the the uh, go for the rest day today, mate? The, the boys out in the bikes already, or are they heading off soon? What's the you because you you're still uh, up in uh, the, uh, the, the boys. The boys have got to go down and uh, do a PCR test, so they've got to, they've got to pass a PCR test, so they've got to go. Not very far today. It's only a couple hundred metres. Uh, it was a sleep-in this morning, so the guys slept in until 9.30, and then they went down and got their PCR test, had breakfast, and then the boys are going out uh, in 10 minutes. We're, we're, we're staying at 2,000 metres up here, so there's no flat ride. We're staying 1K from the finish. So I don't know where they're going to ride. Uh, there is a couple of little loops up the top. Some are going on the road. Uh, a couple are going on the home trainer, and then uh, and Simon Yates, he has a uh, very unique uh, way of recovering. Um, he stays in bed all day. So it, <laughs> I it, like it the boy. I like the boy. <laughs> it is not for it, hey, it is not for everyone, but it works for him. Mate, both rest days on the Giro, he did not touch his bike. He stayed in bed all day. Got a massage. Went came down for lunch. Got a massage. Had a sleep in the afternoon. Didn't touch the bike. As far, he walked to the restaurant was as far as he walked. Came out was in the front group the next day. Some, if some guys Legend. did that, they would be getting the first train, first airplane train home tomorrow afternoon. Mm. Be, and it doesn't matter what stage it is, a mountain stage or a flat stage. For him, a rest day is a total rest day. But as I said it's not for everyone. Uh, but he's uh, he's a special, very special athlete who can. That's in his head. He handles it. His body can handle it. But uh, some guys be three kilos heavier and be uh, and wouldn't be feeling so uh, ginger tomorrow morning at the start if they tried that. Mm. Are you going to have your traditional cheese and uh, cured meats with the mechanics, the Savo, mate? Yeah, we'll have something. We'll have something there, mate. Uh, I've had enough cheese this last 10 days to last me for the rest <laughs> of the year, I reckon. Um, I'll be glad to get back home and actually, I feel like I've been on, at a hotel for the last four months. I'll be glad to get home and, and have some normal food. And mm. uh, yeah, it's. I hope that but food's been good for France. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have a bit of a catch up with the staff. It's a pretty relaxed day for the got for the staff as well. And we're we're, we're yep. here two nights, so we don't have to change tomorrow night either. So it's it's been good. It's been good. But we're, we're high. Right. I think there's a couple of a couple of staff and go get out and uh, get on a mountain, buy some mountain bikes and go for a bit of a ride. And they've got a bit of free time as well. Uh, the staff. So we, we sort of keep everyone does their own thing, and then we'll catch up an hour before dinner and have a bit of a chin wake. Just oh, on that. Why do you see guys are staying at two thousand meters? Yeah, we're at two thousand meters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you get put where you put, but some some guys don't recover it at altitude as as well as others. Have you found that, or it doesn't really matter? Well, there, the, the the whole race is up here because I think the the town of Tinius is paying money to keep everyone up here. So everyone, every single team, we're staying here with Ineos and someone else. Mm. Trek. Yeah. 
but the whole peloton is within 2k of each other so we're, we're all yeah. up here um which is which is unusual uh i know mm. t- most people don't like staying this high most of our guys most of our guys have um have residents in andorra so most of those guys have already been at an altitude camp before they came in here anyway but it, mm. a lot of guys yeah i agree a lot of guys would prefer to be sleeping at a thousand meters or or sea level than up at 2000 for a couple of nights but uh yeah, we've got no no say in the matter. Yeah, um, that that's why I asked the question. I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I know you're a good DS and you've been doing this a fair while, so please don't think I was saying that as a criticism. So no, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to stay down a thousand meters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I slept like a log. I slept like a log last night anyway, which I usually I usually sleep pretty average up high, especially when you for the first couple of nights. But um, I slept all right last night. But I saw the boys at. Uh, the breakfast this morning they all slept okay which is good uh we've got two more questions just from the punters and, and we'll start to wrap things up uh samantha says how's lucas going yeah he's going all right he's going all right he uh i wouldn't be surprised just Yest- yesterday he did a really good job at the start there to keep that pace high over the cat too so we could uh nail some points in the green jersey competition then he uh he got in the the front split there with the Colombians. But uh, I think he underdressed a little bit on that first ascent, and uh, and he paid for it after that. But uh, he'll have a couple of easy days on the flat now. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Lucas up the road uh, when we get hit the next mountain range. And last one is from Buster Thomas. He says Esteban doesn't always do well after rest day, but how do you feel he's going at the moment? He's going okay. He's going okay, mate. Look, it's not a um, it's it's a pretty cruisy day. Oh, I, I haven't looked at the wind. But it's a pretty cruisy day after the rest day, so it shouldn't be a problem for any of those guys who have a rough one after the rest day. But uh, there was a few extra bags under people's eyes this morning at breakfast, but uh, I think that's going to be across the board. I don't think too many people enjoy uh, racing in those in those cold conditions, especially when we've, we're racing in 30 degrees 24 hours before. Good stuff, mate. All right, well, we might have to wrap up the panel. We've really appreciated uh, you all being on today. It's been a monster rest day uh, episode, and we're going to throw to, like, a sponsor's uh, couple of videos, and then we'll wrap up the Women's Giro Donna. Uh, so thanks for thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll check in with you again, Whitey, uh, tomorrow, and uh, preview stage. What are we up to now? 11? 10. 10. Stage 10. Yeah. 10 tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's already been, it's already been like... Yeah. Good luck to the boys, Marty. It's been a long day already, Dunsey. That's it. That's it. Go West Australia. Good on you, boys. Thanks, boys. No worries. (laughs) See you later. All right. See you, boys. Too easy. Oh, I've I've just dropped. If (laughs) he, there we go. (laughs) Got that in there. There's too many buttons to press, Johnny. Um, yeah, fantastic panel. Uh, some great insights there. Uh, we're running a bit uh, over schedule, but uh, we'll throw now to our great mates at uh, Let's Go Motorhomes and Bike Exchange. The Let's Go Motorhomes app has everything at the tip of your finger. From car parks to campgrounds, tips and tricks, the app makes your road trip smoother. This is the way to go. Download the Let's Go Motorhomes app today. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. It's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs, semi-amateurs, and pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank, and these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours. And the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns, and rides. Thanks again to our great mates at Let's Go Motorhomes and Bike Exchange. We'll go through a few more uh, comments. Uh, 
keep those coming in. Uh, this one, Ify from Byron, he says, when the riders get prize money from stages, does it go into a team kitty or do the riders get it? Yeah, normally it uh, normally goes into a team kitty for, for a certain race and they share the money. Um, traditionally, on a race like the Tour de France, the winner doesn't take any of the kitty. He gives uh, all that money goes to um, the, the team, um, which is, you know, not bad because if you win the Tour de France, you get so much extra in sponsorship and all that. Mm. You know, it changes your whole life. So, uh, and you can't do it without a team. So that's normally how it goes. Uh, Samantha, she's obviously ecstatic for winning the weekly uh, Let's Go $500 voucher. Uh, this is absolutely balls, fellas. I'm in total shock. I never win anything. This is truly special. I've been a Green Edge fan since day one. Thank you all, and thank you, Let's Go Motorhomes. Uh, so... That's great to see. Alex, yeah. uh, Wooly Sandy, he's not letting go, mate. He said, if Ben can make up eight minutes at a stage, why can't he take two more over two weeks? <laughs> well, I thought we already had this one, but, uh, yeah, well, he got given eight minutes. He, he won't get given one minute anymore because he's second in the bike race. And, you know, he's not climbing as well as Pogacar, so how is he going to uh, um, to do that? Some very steep climbs coming up, which are going to be very tough for Ben because he, he's a power climber, and that suited him, that climb, 21K, at not such a steep gradient. But he's such a class act that I believe he can get on the podium, but I don't believe he can win this bike race. But I don't believe any of the others, as Phil Liggett said the other, just before, you asked me about any of them, Iran, Carapaz, I don't believe any of them can get the time back on uh, Pogacar. Mm. Uh, free range. Pogacar. Free Ranger <laughs> says, with Aussie cycling on a high, how about a timely shout-out to Jerry Ryan for his incredible support of Aussie athletes, Oz Sport and Oz Cycling in particular. That's a given. Uh, Jerry's done a huge amount of work for the sport itself. And it must be tough on the flip side, because every time an Aussie does well, uh, there's so many people that go, how come they're not riding for bike exchange? John. Yes. Well, I cop it all the bloody time. Even Jerry <laughs> says sometimes he'll say, why haven't we got him? I say, oh, well, that, that just must have slipped through, mate, you know? Well, it's it's hard with the, the, the balance too, because a lot of the lists, uh, you know, they're filled up like August. Um, and then yeah. when you do get results, like in Ben's case, you know, at the Giro, that was late in the year. Uh, and then you know it's hard to change your spots because if if you bring in someone, someone's got to go. So uh, yep, a couple more uh, comments. Uh, this is from Patui. Got to give props to the French broadcast. It's been great to see perfectly clear, uninterrupted TV coverage of this tour, despite the atrocious weather. In contrast to the Giro, now that's all due to there's a number of different helicopters that fly over the race to bounce off the signal. And uh, the day that the Giro had their issues, the plane that's meant to hover over to bounce the signal, that had to land or, or had issues trying to get that up. So uh, we'll wrap things up talking about the women's Giro uh, iffy. And it was a great win by Marianne Voss. That's her 29th Giro win and 234th career win. Pretty impressive yeah. record. She's been a superstar for a long time, but 29 uh, victories in the in the women's zero. It's it's almost Cavendish like. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Four four of them up the road, uh, and uh, she easily won the sprint in. Um, but Anna van der Bregen is uh, still uh, the easy uh, leader, and I can't see anyone uh, getting near her. And Spratty's still uh, tenth on GC. Tenth, tenth, tenth on GC. Yeah, they 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 finished a large group, so no change. Uh, next mountain, I think it's two days away before we get another climb. Yeah, yeah. And before we wrap up, I just want to send a shout out to a great mate, uh, Cam Meyer. Uh, Oz Cycling announced today that he won't be competing in Tokyo uh, due to family commitments. Obviously, his father's got some ill health at the moment. But I uh, just wanted to say uh, on behalf of everyone, mate, we're, we're all thinking of you. Um, it's it's obviously a really difficult situation. And, um, yeah, just all thoughts with you and your family, mate. Um, so, yeah, one of those really sort of sad stories where he's obviously done a lot of work for the Olympics. But, um, yeah, when it comes to your family um, and with the current COVID situation, um yeah just all thoughts so yeah big show johnny 
Um, yeah, big show. That's, that's, a, that's a terrible story because he is um, one of the nicest guys in the bike game and yep. I know how much the Olympics mean to him and how important this was for him. So it's a, a, a huge uh, uh, decision he's had to make. So uh, we wish him all the best. Yep, for sure. And as we always say, stay in touch with uh, all things Detour, youtube.com forward slash the Detour podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications, tell all your mates. We're having fantastic support. And the main thing is, John, we're having a lot of fun uh, doing this podcast. It's been great. When, when I'm not stepping over the top of people on that, it's all very good. That's very You've been true. good. You're good today. You're really good. And the leather jacket's back. I thought it was a good show, mate. Uh, thanks again. We'll be back hey! again tomorrow. We'll, look at the, the, we'll be back with the Fonz uh, and Phil Liggett and Matt White for Stage 10, uh, 6.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We'll see you then. This is the winning-